we can think that we're early or later or whatever, but you have these high schoolers in their parents' basements, like building miners and learning about the space and getting involved in the space at such a young age. Like pretty soon, I guess we'll start seeing middle schoolers. And then I'm actually really excited for that because then it's like, you know, there's, there's no limits there. I'm Tor Bear from Enigma and welcome to Decentralize This. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Decentralize This presented by Enigma. I'm Tor Bear. I'm the head of growth for Enigma, and today I'm excited to be speaking with Eric Pinos. Eric is currently the executive director of the Blockchain Education Network, or BEN. Ben's mission is creating a more open world by promoting technological literacy as well as decentralization. They focus on building and supporting communities of students around the world who are interested in decentralized technologies as well as their applications. Previously, Eric was the president of the MIT Bitcoin Club, and he's an experienced organizer and educator, as well as a developer and an entrepreneur. On this episode, Eric is going to discuss how he became interested in Bitcoin and decentralization the importance of a positive first experience in the decentralization space, how to build global and local communities of passionate students, and why now is the best time to get involved with decentralization and the worst time to give up on the space. Eric's passion is infectious, so it was really a joy to have this conversation with him. I hope after listening to him, you find your own interest and enthusiasm heightened or hopefully at least restored. So without any further introduction, here is Eric Pinos. Eric, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Decentralize This. I'm so thrilled to have you on. Well, it's good to be here, Tori. Thanks for having me. We start every episode the same way, just who are you, Eric Pinos, personally, professionally? Who are you? Uh, so personally, I am a Latino American. I was born here, but I grew up in Costa Rica for a couple of years. Then I moved back to the States. I grew up in New Jersey. Then for college, I went to MIT. I was an undergrad in, in uh, computer science and management. And I caught the blockchain bug in my fifth year, actually. I was taking an extra semester to finish up all of my, my studies. And since then, it's kind of been uh, never looked back. I got involved with the MIT Bitcoin Club, which I eventually became the president of. Then I became a researcher at the MIT Digital Currency Initiative, doing research in blockchain and energy. And then now I run the Blockchain Education Network, which educates and empowers students across the world to learn more about blockchain. So any opportunity to teach other people, any opportunity to kind of do interesting, creative, out there things. Like I really enjoy throwing events. I've helped organize a lot of my school's entrepreneurship competitions. And I generally like, I really like getting out there and meeting people. So I would say that is one of like my most defining attributes. Yeah, I've met you. You're very good at it. Uh, And I think that's one of the first things that people will notice about you is that you are very outgoing. And I I think that the work that you're doing now with BEN, do you like BEN or do you like Ben? What do you prefer? I think both. I think when I say that I work for Ben, people ask me who's Ben and you know <laughs> what's his last name. So it's it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, that we'll never get that good SEO that will top Ben as a name. But I think Ben B E N Blockchain Edu Blockchain Education Network. We have a lot of names, and that's I think that's fine. I think, but I personally feel like Ben. 
I also like blockchain edu because it kind of encompasses right. Ben doesn't really say like what what it is, but a lot of people know us as Ben. So I like it. I really do. I like I like when things acronym like that. It's really cool. It's also very personal. It's like the the Steve Jobs Apple, right? Like the Apple is very inviting in a time when there was a lot of uh, cold Microsoft, IBM like kind of names, and now it's like a similar thing. It's like oh, it's Ben. You know, it's not it's not blockchain education, it's not blockchain block whatever scary i think a lot of in the space there's a lot of like new vernacular that people aren't used to and so right. having like a name kind of helps people like okay i understand like i i feel less intimidated getting involved yeah i love that you're so conscious of the brand even at an early stage right it, it is really important and there's something that i want to talk to you about later on the podcast which is kind of around like the branding of the word blockchain itself you know it, it's gone through its own hype cycle uh, it means something I think different now than maybe it did a year ago and then maybe it did five years before that. So I, I want to walk through that evolution with you in a bit. But I wanted to start um, again going back to your personal story. Uh, you've been slowly immersing yourself in this space, in this blockchain space, decentralization space. I want to know what first planted the seed there? You know, when you were first getting involved in all of this, like, did you have an aha moment where you were like, I I have to do this with my life. Yeah. So my initial exposure to Bitcoin was back in 2014 when the MIT Bitcoin Club just started and their kickoff event was the MIT Bitcoin airdrop, where they airdropped $100 worth of Bitcoin to every MIT student on campus at the time. So it was two students who were the co-founders of the Bitcoin Club and two faculty members, and the four of them together, they did it as like a research project. They published a report, they tracked what people did with the Bitcoin, and every student received $100 worth of it, which at the time was 0.5 Bitcoin. So everyone got half of Bitcoin. Uh -huh. Bitcoin was worth $200. So those students that held on up to this point, they multiplied that, they have like thousands of dollars sitting in their accounts right now. But nice. most students, when they got it, they immediately cashed out, which was interesting to see. Everyone, like I remember, Everyone was around me was going, oh, there's a free hundred dollars. Let's get it. And then like the, buy the, pizza. the biggest like, thing. Yeah, buy pizza. <laughs> Just buy pizza and other stuff you can buy on the, the Internet. And then other people started trading it, which is also interesting. I was one of those people like I saw the volatility of it and I was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, I, I have a Robinhood account like I like doing stock trading. I got into like some IPOs and like flipped some IPOs day of. So I thought I could do something similar with Bitcoin and I ended up losing it all. And then I was like, all right, you know what? It's not working out. Like, I'm just going to leave it alone. And then I try to understand it a little more like, okay, digital money. I get it. But we have like PayPal and Venmo and works fine. So I don't understand it. So just left it alone for a bit. I started doing stuff in virtual reality and stuff in uh, augmented reality because I was really drawn towards those fields. And so that's kind of where I spent a couple of years focusing on was like developing VR applications. When I got back into Bitcoin was the end of 2016. And that was when I found out about Ethereum and what Ethereum can do. And I th that's when I think it really clicked the idea that you can have a peer-to-peer -peer network of, of transactions that are kind of just, just happening that you kind of remove that remove the the need to have like a server that's like running all the computation and instead decentralize it over an entire network so that it becomes like a lot more ubiquitous like i'm able to run an operation on this on this network of like peer-to-peer -peer computers i'm able to use the collective computing power and i'm able to like trust everything that 
everything that's happening in the network that I know that it's, you know, like it's not, I don't need like a big server to maintain it and to tell me that I'm not trying to be cheated right now. Like somehow you can trust in the network, even though like the world is full of people that you can't trust. So it's like, how did we end up with the system? So that's when I became really fascinated with trying to understand it, trying to understand how it works, trying to understand how these like tokens can just exist on the internet without, without like a, yeah, with like it's blockchain is essentially like you remove the copy and paste button from a, uh, from like data sharing. It's like I can't duplicate things anymore. Like it's actually like if I have this, I actually do have it. So there's actual ownership of ones and zeros on the internet, which has never happened before. We've always had to enforce that in policies, enforce it in copyright, enforce it in patents. We've never had it enforceable in the code that I'm the sole owner of this content or the sole owner of this data. Now, talking to you, like the passion is evident. The understanding that you've gained of blockchain is obvious, right? But at the time, you know, how long was it taking you to kind of figure out all of this stuff? And was there anybody around you who was helping you come to these realizations or were you helping anybody else already come to these realizations? So it started initially, uh, it it was pretty much just me and like the internet because I was still at the time focused on virtual reality, like in my... Like in my in my real life, like I was doing a, a virtual reality internship at this startup, and it was pretty cool because I got to travel to China for it. Um, I was still involved with like my my school's entrepreneurship stuff, so getting like helping throw some entrepreneurship competitions. So most of like my Bitcoin blockchain exploration was done online, and so like I joined a lot of the forums and a lot of the the subreddits that were centered around. Like I joined like our ETH trader, our Bitcoin, our cryptocurrency, learning about the different projects and kind of just like slowly buying in over time. So it was like buying in a lot like in 2016 and then 2017 came around and then it just like exploded. And then slowly like I would have people like left and right, like every every couple of days, like another one of my friends who was in another world would kind of join the blockchain world. And so eventually got to the point where I was just like going to my friend and like, Hey, guess who joined us today? And it's like so and so who was previously like urban planning, and then guess who joined us today? So and so was previously like entrepreneurship. Hey, guess who just joined today? Like so and so. So it was it was pretty interesting to see that. I kind of like for like a long time it was just me and the internet, and just learning about it through the internet to slowly like having people kind of that I know find the space on their own. And then it's like, oh, but now this is another person that I can talk to about this. Now, this is another person that I can talk to about this. Now, this is another person that I can talk to about this. I myself didn't go like full time into, into doing blockchain stuff until the middle of my summer internship where I convinced I convinced my startup who wanted who brought me on to like do a like a um, like an intern virtual reality project. I convinced them of the potential of blockchain and smart cities in in uh, Beijing, which is where we were doing our internship. And they like let me switch my internship from a VR based internship to a blockchain based one. Because at that point, I'm like, okay, like the cryptocurrency is like here to stay, like it's getting huge. A lot of people are coming into it. Like there's real opportunity here. And I think there's an opportunity to lead the space here for the people that are like the early adopters. But I can't keep like focusing on that and focusing on virtual reality or focusing on this or focusing on that. Like I really want to go in and really like hone in on it and do everything that I can in that space. So that's when I dropped like the VR portion of my life. And like, I, I was able to convince my internship to switch over to a blockchain based one. And then when I came back to school in the fall, 
that's when I joined the MIT Bitcoin Club. I became a researcher at the MIT Digital Currency Initiative. I kind of like focused and I was able to have that focus because before it was like I was interested in a lot of different things. I was just interested in VR. I was interested in in uh, genetic engineering, like with CRISPR. I was interested in just straight up entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship, education and education theory, policy. It was like hard to kind of hone in on something. And in the entrepreneurship space, right, there's like people like with all different kinds of startups. So I, would, I never had like any idea like what I was just trying a bunch of different things. But coming back that fall, I think was really pivotal because I really focused in on okay, I really want to do blockchain and everything that has to do with blockchain. So I went and started going to all the meetups. I started going to all the conferences, joining all the clubs, doing all the research, getting an internship in that, getting a job in that. And then like, yeah, I think it was just, it, that was a really helpful semester for me. Yeah. A lot of people will spend their time, you know, this isn't specific to MIT, although I know how that is, uh, will spend their time dabbling. Um, and then it comes time to do something seriously and they haven't found that spark of passion or they haven't found you know, whatever it is, at least they'll be able to latch onto in the short term, because there's a lot of things to learn about, you know, business. There's a lot of things to learn about organizing people and storytelling and things like that, that you don't learn unless you've, you've sort of picked one thing long enough to immerse yourself in and, and gain that understanding. And I think you did it at an early enough stage, both in your life, but also in the industry that you've managed to, uh, you've managed to put yourself in a really good position going forward. And I think a lot of students who, started looking at things around the same time as you are, are also they're also in the same position and now I think maybe they're looking at the space uh, the space has changed a lot is is uh, is what I'm trying to say from when you first got involved to what happened in 2017 through the end of the year and what's happened in 2018 so far with the explosion of interest and then this rapid pullback in interest so this is where we're getting to the question I teased earlier Relative to what you see as and saw as the promise of blockchain, the technology, and, and Bitcoin itself, what what was being sold, you think, like over the last 12 months, let's say, that, that what happened to put us so far off that core message of the promise of blockchain? I think it's similar to the dot-com bubble, even though I don't think the... the the hype was as big or like the amount of money poured in was as large as the, the dot-com bubble was. But I do think it was a similar kind of idea, this idea that during the internet craze that you can append dot-com to anything and then it would become like a much more valuable idea or much more likely to succeed, which wasn't the case. Or you sell like pets.com, like whatever dot-com, oh, just add a dot-com to it. I think it was a similar, there was a similar phase to this thing with blockchain over the past like two years, so 2017 and then 2018 when like the bubble popped, this idea that, oh, by adding a blockchain to it, you make it more likely to succeed or you make it better. And so you had like coffee on the blockchain, bananas on the blockchain, iced tea on the blockchain, healthcare on the blockchain, skincare records on the blockchain, pets on the blockchain, like anything, everything and everything, anything and everything on the blockchain. And I think it kind of, it kind of got excessive We're to the it was exciting for a bit and it was like, cause it was very exploratory. It's like, you know, George Church, who's the guy who did the book about the, he's the one that has the lab in Harvard that's trying to resurrect the woolly mammoth. And he worked on the human genome project. And he announced that he was working on putting, like putting our genomes on the blockchain. And so like, if anyone is going to figure out and anyone has like the right ideas about how that would look, it would be him. 
So seeing stuff like that is exciting. And seeing, you know, different blockchain applied to different industries is also exciting, like blockchain in education or blockchain in healthcare, blockchain in supply chain, blockchain in energy was an area that I was really interested in. So renewable energy credits, carbon credits, and actual transactive energy, like how can I direct the flow of electricity between houses in a microgrid based off of who's making payments? And the easiest way to track those payments would be through a token. Because PayPal doesn't have like very good APIs and doesn't break down dollars into like this. You can get into like really micro transactions. Yeah, and there were a lot of really exciting ideas. And and don't get me wrong, a lot of these use cases are still fascinating to me. How do you how do you think though we reconcile what's happened since all of these promises were made with the lack of follow through of so many of these projects? Like, I, I, it's easy to say there was a lack of accountability. It's it's easy to say that you know maybe people didn't re- really understand what a blockchain was and wasn't good for you know where are we now in terms of you know where where you think people's thoughts and feelings about the space are relative to its actual value are people still overestimating blockchain or are they still underestimating blockchain are we are we a little bit more just right like wh- what have we gotten to. I think we've gotten to a point where it's, yeah, it's, it, we've gotten to a point where it's like just right, especially within the past couple of weeks where everyone who was touting that Bitcoin won't go any lower, like keep hodling, like whatever, like it won't go below 6,000. And then this past week, it just like broke everyone's, every single like crypto YouTubers trade analysis, just all of it like just shattered. Bitcoin crashed $4,000, right? Lost $2,000 in like two weeks. And then a lot of them started posting like, oh, we're leaving the space. We give up. Like we're now selling how to be online entrepreneur books, drop shipping books, whatever. So that kind of like helps the, I think that helps. That that helps the space because it kind of like it shows that who's here for the technology. And don't get me wrong, like people that are here for the technology are still here to make money as well. But I think that there's more of a focus now on adoption and making money through that than there is like, pump and dump schemes. So I am glad to see like the the number of schemes go down, the number of people that are kind of in the space, but like as a surface level kind of go down. I'm always open for people that are curious to learn more about it. But I think that there's there's kind of like that genuine curiosity and learning more about the space that I think is really valuable and seeing people. Yeah. Like I mass adoption is not slowing down. That's something that I don't see, which is, which is great. Like people like, Bitcoin transactions, more money is moved through the Bitcoin network than is is being moved through MasterCard right now. So like just that alone is like incredible. There's all these new POS systems that are being developed, all these new integration systems that are being developed. So for Ben, one of the things that we really value is we we don't want to like we we want to work with regulation to help change regulation. We're not trying to work against regulation. So all of our Bitcoin wallets are registered, like we go through all the proper tax documentation that we need to do. We want to show that cryptocurrency is something that could coexist in the world, not something that is like inherently something that you hide underground under like a separate world. And the technology for that is so much better now. Like we just set up a Coinbase Commerce account that makes it really easy for us to accept cryptocurrency in our site, makes it much less likely for people to get fished. So I think it's like a better solution than just having like a QR code up there. So that is getting better and adoption is increasing and the amount of people that are talking about it and how we can use it is increasing. Right. Couple of that. The fundamentals. The market crash. 
Yeah, exactly. People focusing on the fundamentals, people growing the fundamentals, people are focusing, they're scaling back. They're like, okay, like um, use cases, like, like dApps, you know, we're kind of there, not really there. There's some more work we need to do on the groundwork, some more work we do on like the layer, the layer one, and then the layer two to like make it faster and more scalable. Yeah, you're telling me. And then we can like, (laughs) the tools. Yeah, exactly. And you guys, I mean, you guys have been, you guys have been around for a long time. So I'm sure you've seen like the space grow and kind of fall and people kind of like come in and say they were going to solve everything and then leave and then someone else come in and then leave. And then meanwhile, you guys have just been working the whole time to like make it happen. So, you know, I, I do think it's like a, kind of like a, a turtle versus the hare. Like people come in, make a lot of noise, but then they leave when the going gets yeah. tough. Building is and hard. seeing the people that stay. Exactly. Yeah. So the people that stay, like, I'm really glad that there's still a lot of people left in here too, because that makes it less lonely for, for me and for other people that it's like, okay, like these are the people that I really want to get to know because they're still here. They didn't just show up once when Bitcoin yeah. was at 20,000. And we saw this too through the growth of the MIT Bitcoin club. So it was really interesting because the MIT Bitcoin club, for the longest amount of time was about like 10 to 12 people. And when 2017 happened and when Bitcoin like increased, suddenly we had 30, 40 people showing up to every meeting. Right. And in January, when the when Bitcoin just hit 20K and then it was like, oh, the, and then, you know, CNBC and everyone was like, Bitcoin's going to keep going up forever. We had 100 people show up to one of our club meetings and I had pizza for 30 people. And so I had to like step outside and be like, oh, I got to get more pizza. But then immediately afterwards, Bitcoin crashed. And then the next week, it was back to like 30 people. Mm. So it's interesting how this community is kind of built. And new people are coming into the community all the time, which I think is great. But it is interesting to see like the people that are kind of there, like the, the people that are there longer kind of, the longer someone has been there, the more likely it is to stay there, which I really like. It's kind of like there has that this longevity feeling where if you just stay in the space long enough, you learn enough about it and you can really there's, there's nothing that beats just like if you stay in it long enough, eventually you'll learn enough about it. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about learning because it's right in the name, right? It's the blockchain education network. You guys have this focus on education. And I think it's so important that when somebody tries to come into, you know, the decentralization blockchain space, that they have those good early interactions where the with their first time that they're coming into contact with the technology uh, is really learning about the technology and learning from somebody who's patient, who's been in the space, who even has practice educating on the technology. And I think what happened during the bull run of late 2017 is that a lot of people found out about this stuff for the first time through CNBC or through YouTube or through their one friend who told them about Bitcoin three years ago. And there really wasn't, even though obviously like there were these online courses proliferating and people were investing more in educational resources that's not where people were getting their information. Now I feel like things have quieted down again to the point where people who really want to learn about the space are more likely to come to somebody like Ben first when they're first getting involved in the technology. That I see as being extremely healthy in the long run, those early interactions being so meaningful uh, and so much more predictive of how long somebody stays in the space. I learned about Bitcoin Everything I learned about Bitcoin and blockchain, I would say like most of it was when I was at MIT. And that is a lot different than somebody who learned about it uh, very casually by speculating on it over the course of like three months and losing all their money. It's it yep. is very different. And, and it makes me feel like I'm going to be here for a very long time. And I understand a lot of people haven't had that kind of privileged experience. It's it is a very, very interesting space because people kind of discover it through many different ways. There's people that discover it 
through trading, there's people that discover it as a, a tool set alongside other tool sets, right? Like I think you and me both at MIT, like we were very blessed to be around people that would hear about it and they would they would think about it and they would think about what it could be used for. And that kind of like helped helped prime our mindsets to 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 not see it as a failure if like the value of it like crashes because like the the value of the token itself is like the actual pegged value that people are selling and buying it for is not as important to it. Like I think Vitalik has said that Ethereum would work just as well whether the value of an individual Ether is at two hundred or one dollar. It's more so about like what you can do with it. And I think that a lot of the educational material that was produced in 2017 to teach people about cryptocurrency was a lot about proficiency as a trader. And so like how to set up a wallet, how to trade. The way that you find out about it is is fine as long as you're aware and what you decide to do with it is fine as long as you're aware of like the full extent of the impact that it can have. Most people don't see it beyond a speculative asset that you can just trade around for for making more money for like taking more money out of the system there's actually a lot of interesting things that you can do with the technology and ways that you can integrate it into society and and that's has much more longevity so it's it's where it's where you come in from right like if you're thinking about value creation or if you're thinking about value capture that's come up on the podcast before like if you come into the blockchain space thinking about how you're going to capture value from the ecosystem versus how you're going to be creating more value for the ecosystem I think that's very predictive of how long you're going to last in this space. Right, right. So I want to talk specifically now more about Ben, right? So somebody like ideally for you, like what is Ben's mission? And because you have the privilege of interacting with so many people in their early days uh, in learning about this space, what what is most important to you about those like early interactions with Ben? How do you make sure that they have a good experience that makes them want to continue learning more and more about the technology. Yeah. So I think that the, one of the most important things for Ben and how we interact with students is giving students exposure to the different opportunities that are available with blockchain and what it can do. So giving people like a, like a wide breadth of, here's blockchain as it applies to energy here's blockchain as it applies to healthcare here's how you can use cryptocurrency like here's how you do a cryptocurrency airdrop here's how you do this here's how you do that um since the main focus of our network is so we're focused on students so undergraduate students graduate students even high school students so we have some high school students that have joined the network now and it's crazy they're getting younger and younger like yeah it's like we think that we can think that we're early or late or whatever, but you have these high schoolers in their parents' basements, like building miners and learning about the space and getting involved in the space at such a young age. Like pretty soon, I guess we'll start seeing middle schoolers. And then I'm actually really excited for that because then it's like, you know, there's, there's no limits there. So we have many different kinds of students with many different kinds of interests, high schoolers, undergraduates, grad students, CS students, law schools, MBA schools. And the main thing that we try to do is expose them to all the different opportunities. So we've helped with throwing many different kinds of events, whether it be hackathons or airdrops or um, even just like regular fundraisers where people actually use cryptocurrency to, to donate and to fundraise. So it's like you're using cryptocurrency in the actual event. We've helped people get Bitcoin ATMs onto their campuses. We've helped people sign their diplomas on different blockchains. And so I think 
for, oh, we've helped people do decentralized elections as well. So these kinds of use cases are the things that I think help students see that there's many different weird, interesting things you can do with the technology and that it has like a lot of different potential. And then giving students that exposure also one, if there's one of those use cases that they want to dig more into, they can, but also they can take the different things that they've learned and throw completely new kinds of of use cases, come up with new ideas for how you can integrate cryptocurrencies into societies. And I think it's really helpful to start on a small level like a college campus because it's much easier to set up a club and then as a club agree that you'll use Bitcoin as your as your balancer, as the way you like pay for things or yeah. you know kind of make like this pact or have like a decentralized organization where everyone's vote is recorded on a blockchain. It's much easier to do that before it works like on a national level or even like on a city level, like that's something that can be experimented on on a campus level. And I think making sure that our students know that helps them feel empowered. Like this is a space where a student can have like a real impact as a student, right? Like I see like I really wanted to get into to do to do biology for a long time. I was really interested in genetics. And then, I, you know, I see like how much time is needed to that you have to put into your studies to really get to the cutting edge of it. Whereas I think with blockchain, it's pretty easy to get to the cutting edge of it because it's so new that anyone that comes into this space is more likely already to have interesting ideas and already to be able to contribute to the conversation much more intelligibly than you could if you were trying to break into a into an other different kind of space. Right. And even though you guys are starting smaller terms, right, you're saying that people are organizing on campuses, right? You know, you're not trying to do things on a national level. Ben is trying to do things on like a national, I think also international level. You know, it, it's not it. There's a scope to the vision, even though the vision is made up of a lot of uh, smaller pieces. The, the vision itself of being an education network for the world, especially for the students of the world, that is really cool. And of course, you're you're living the ethos of decentralization by by doing it in this way, by having all of these pockets of activity around the world aligned around this common cause of education, which I can't think of a better common cause to have in, in this space for the reasons we talked about, because it's predictive of wanting to continue to work in it. And, and that's what we're going to need is, is more people getting interested in order to advance the technology and advance its implementations. So oh, yeah. I, I've read yeah, about Ben. Sure. I've read about Ben as being described in your own words as a decentralized swarm, right? So, and that's not a, cho- that's not a word that was chosen at random, right? I believe this is based on uh, something that was written. Uh, and I had to do some digging into it as well because I thought it was such a fascinating concept. Maybe you can explain for the listeners who most likely don't know what a swarm is or why Ben is considered a swarm. Uh, what's a swarm? What makes a swarm great? How How is Ben trying to put this into practice? So the the model of a swarm is very similar to the model of a, a political party and how a political party grows or how a like a religious sect grows, that it's kind of centered around people can come together and form a group and have meetings and they take on this spirit or they take on this logic, this, this like list of, of things that you have to abide by or like what the topic is, right? Like if it's a, if it's a political party, then if you, if I form like my own like local political party group with my town or with my school or with my city or with my country, it's I ascribe to whatever those political policies are or in a religious sect, I subscribe to like what those beliefs are in in Ben's case, where we've really found the swarm model is really helpful is in empowering students in 
across campuses and other countries to start their own blockchain clubs. So a bit about like Ben's model. So we have Ben, which is the overarching umbrella. And then within Ben, we have different national chapters. So we have Ben USA, we have Ben Colombia, Ben India, Ben Italy, Ben Australia, Ben Vietnam, Ben Canada, Ben Puerto Rico, Ben Netherlands, and it just goes on and on and on. And in each within each chapter, we have a national team that takes blockchain education and brings it across the cultural barriers and across language barriers. So our Puerto Rican chapter translates our content into Spanish. And our Indian chapter, like our Ben India chapter, helped us get visas for Ben India students to travel to the MIT Bitcoin Expo last year. So we covered their costs for flights. We covered their visa application costs. It was like really annoying to try to get it. But with the knowledge of the national teams, right, they understand their culture and their country better than anyone else. So with their help, we were really, that's how we were able to get the visas in time within a month for these students from Ben India to be able to travel to the MIT Bitcoin Expo. And then it gets even more granular. So we have different blockchain clubs that kind of join the network and contribute their information and contribute like their knowledge and contribute to the community. Right. And so the whole community kind of grows with the growth of our local our local chapters. So we we definitely consider it Ben is like global reach, local impact. So our national chapters help like divvy up the responsibilities across different countries of how blockchain is implemented there, like what conferences are happening in the country. A big piece of what our national chapters do is they build relationships with the governments of those countries. Like our one of our ideal goals is to eventually throw events and conferences where we bring in the government and like have them speak. And I think that there's certain things that like a Ben India chapter is much more capable of doing in India than we would be as Ben, as as I would be if I were to go over there and try to mm. just like replicate what we did here in the US and do that again in India. So I think that's one of the most valuable things of of the SWARM model. It brings in local leaders and empowers them to make the difference to their community because they understand it. Like our requirements for being a national director is you have to live in that country and you have to be from that country because we believe that that's how you like understand that country yeah. better than anyone else. And it helped. Like it's it's been amazing. Like Ben India has only been around for like a couple of months, but we've already sent five students. We got in their visas, sent them to the MIT Bitcoin Expo. We already set up three blockchain clubs at the top universities in India and are giving them resources and educational content. They've already started throwing their meetings. They've have like 30 students per meeting and they have so many people. And then just the network just grows. There's it's unparalleled growth just that way. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like I consider this to be one of the most inspiring success stories because what it's driven by, right? Again, it's not driven by speculation around the the value of any of the assets that are being created. It's all being driven by alignment around this common value of education and a belief in the potential of the technology if it can be implemented at scale. But not just implemented at scale, right? But just like these local implementations where you really understand what it means to implement blockchain in India for the purpose of say a farmer. Uh, versus implemented in Finland. It, it is really amazing. And, I, and I'm sure you must learn, you personally and other leaders of Ben must learn so much just from interacting with these lo local leaders around the globe. Oh, for sure. The different, the different local leaders have different interests and different 
they there's as much variety between them as there is just between any any two people that have found themselves in the blockchain space there are some blockchain like clubs that are more focused on trading because it's like a business club or there are more clubs that are focused around starting a startup like the entrepreneurship oriented club versus like other clubs in say there's like blockchain clubs the ones that we have in india are the ones that we have in vietnam for example like their experiences are very different and so their culture is very different and so the way the the ways that they're thinking about using blockchain is very relevant to their own oh, to sure. their own community and i'm and i'm getting triggered you know like my mba hat is on now so i'm just thinking about the like the possibilities for like matrix organizations you know aligning people locally uh, based on geography, but then also aligning them based on those functions. And now you've got a whole global network of entrepreneurship clubs or a whole global network of trading clubs and things like that. Yep. Like just, just being able to share that knowledge on so many different angles. It, it's incredible. Like hearing about your history, like your, you learned from the internet and it, and it could be a lonely experience. Now I can't imagine like a more inclusive kind of experience than the one that you're describing as somebody who becomes a, a member of Ben. Yep, exactly. So one of the most like exciting things is, as as exciting as it is to see students from different areas be interested in different things, it's even more interesting where we bring different kinds of students together. So in our like our communication channel that we use is our Slack channel. So we have two thousand three hundred members in our Slack channel right now, and we have channels for every region that we have students in, but also we have channels for functions that. Uh, go across different regions. So we have a channel for students. We have a channel for people interested in Bitcoin. We have a channel for people interested in cryptography. We have a channel for professors. We have a channel for content creators. So like everyone across the world, across all the different clubs that are interested in trading or everyone who's interested in integrating blockchain to their school's curriculum. So like putting like all the brain power across like all the different, yeah, all the different clubs and the different students and uh, the different countries and the different universities. And that's another reason why we also really prioritize travel. Like one of the biggest things that Ben does, so we're like a 501c3 nonprofit and our main focus is how, how can we make financial aid better? How can we make, um, learning like tuition systems better? Is like, how can we better align incentives? How can we empower students? So we're not just creating content. We don't create content and just give it to students, but we also empower them. We help with financial aid. Like we give them travel vouchers for them to fly to blockchain conferences or to fly cross country even because we believe that wherever you're born or wherever you grow up, you have the ability to have an impact in your community, but you should also be able to travel and to expose yourself to new opportunities. So helping make that possible. That's why there's a huge focus from our national directors on how to get visas for their country. And we put all that together into different guides for students to be able to like learn from. And also from Ben itself, we have both travel guides that help you understand how to travel and like how to stay safe while traveling. How do you book flights? How do you book housing? Sometimes when we make a partnership with a conference, we get an Airbnb at that conference. And so all the students that would come would stay at that Airbnb to make it easier so students don't have to think about where they're going to stay. And it becomes like another fun like community event. Like We just did that recently at last year's Amazing. North American Bitcoin conference. And that's actually where I met a lot of I came in as the MIT Bitcoin Club president. And after that day, after that experience where I stayed at Airbnb, I met the president of the Mississippi Cryptocurrency Club. I met the president of the Badger Blockchain Club at the University of Wisconsin. And so just seeing like all these different like blockchain club presidents was really exciting for me because it was like, oh, these are like alternate versions of myself who grew up in different places with different experiences. And here we all are together talking about the same thing. 
and talking about our different views of the same thing. It's amazing. I mean, it, it really is. And I think you could apply the same model to so many things, like so many different ways you could organize students and it wouldn't have to be blockchain. And in this case, I just feel like you've had so much success because the ethos of blockchain itself being decentralized, being inclusive, and then also you keep using the word empowerment. And I think that was a lot of the original vision of blockchain and Bitcoin was this idea of empowerment by decentralizing and democratizing finance. And I think the reason Ben has been so successful and will continue to be successful is just because of the alignment of what you're educating people about and how you've chosen to organize yourself in doing that education. Do you think that that's a fair assessment? Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. So one of the things that or I would say like the biggest thing that we're working on now is taking the different programs that we have together and bringing them all together into like one cohesive program. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of empowerment, this idea of incentive structures. So what we've come up with is we really want to run this experiment that I think Ben is the most equipped to run. And what the experiment is, is we have all this content, we have all these how-to guides, we have all these students that are excited to do our things, and we have financial aid that we give to students. Right now, the way that we give financial aid and we do travel travel vouchers is we have like a form for a conference and students sign up, and then we gauge the form, we give the, the reimbursement to some of the students, we select some of the students, and then we kind of rotate it out to make sure that all the different students get their go. What we want to do is we thought, okay, what if instead we aligned incentives by having students, the modules that we have, the educational content that we have, the how-to guides that we have, have students do them, do them on their campuses, and they can earn points and then redeem those points for travel vouchers. And then we were like, well, you know, if only there was some kind of like token or some kind of currency that one could easily spin up on a network that was already global to make it really easy to keep track of who owns what balances. Huh. And they're like, wait a second. Hmm. Huh. Okay. This sounds like an ERC20 token. So that's where we're working on now. We have an ERC20 token called Bencoin. It's a test net. It's, we're not airdropping and not ICOing it, nothing like that. Not, we're just using it purely to keep track of people's points, keep track of the students' points in our network. But then we've created a really cool system because students can complete modules and they can learn and they can be active and they can earn Bencoin and then redeem it from us for travel vouchers oh, and fly to conferences. Yeah, the potential. I mean, like, and then you get into like NFT badging and all kinds of other things. Like, again, it's an example of like aligning the technology with how you've organized uh, Ben's functions. I think that's so cool. I would love to see you guys do more stuff like that. And then I, I hope you guys are writing about it. Are, are you are you documenting all this stuff somewhere publicly where people can go and like find out what Ben is doing on like a day to day basis? Yep. Yep. So all the information is available on our website. So blockchainedu.org. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be publishing a lot more about our experiments. Well, we were published, talking more about the, the launch of the token and then the launch of the program itself because the whole the whole program is this we've compiled together this 50 plus page Google Doc with all of our content, all of our how to guides, how to do a crypto airdrop, how to get Bitcoin ATMs installed on campus, how to get how to sign your diplomas on the blockchain, our travel guides, our visa, like how to get visas in different countries, and then the list of our partner conferences to help students like fly to those conferences. And then all these kinds of rewards. So like we also want to do 
we want to do badges as well. Like we, when a student completes a module, we want to give them a badge for completion of that module. Like all the things with like gamification and education. And then right now we're beta testing it with some of our, like our, our closest like blockchain club presidents getting a lot of feedback. Like we really want the program to be made collectively by both Ben and like the, the people that work on Ben full time, but also by the students who are just as much a part of Ben. One of the reasons why I really like our curriculum is because our curriculum has been crowdsourced by the different students that have been a part of Ben. So people have contributed to it, which I think makes it unparalleled in in growth because anyone can assemble a team and then have like a team of four people and say, okay, you four like make this course. But I think what's much more interesting is when you have all the blockchain club presidents and all like the really interested blockchain club or blockchain interested students come together and say, okay, I'm really passionate about privacy coins. So I'm going to make like slides about privacy coins. I'm really passionate about cryptography. So I'm going to make slides about cryptography. And then you kind of put it together and you end up with like one with a little bit of editing and a little bit of like threading to make it like consistent between slide decks. You have this one cohesive curriculum that was put together by the smartest people on the planet that come from everywhere around the planet and then is then shared to all the other, like to everyone that's in that ecosystem. So I, I think that's really exciting. I'm really excited to see where, where that goes. I could not be more excited to see how the mission of Ben expands as you guys go on and just to see how the membership grows. And I know with this many driven, intelligent people across the globe who are young too, bringing so much young energy into this space where they don't have a lot of preconceived notions about what blockchain is and can be and what all of these like layer two solutions can look like. And, you know, we're, we're at such early stages. And I think that you are doing an amazing job of aligning a lot of people who are willing to put the time in early, knowing that they've got decades to see this play out. And I hope that many, many, many of the members of Ben decide to make this a full-time career. I, I would be I would be shocked if they don't, after having such a positive initial experience in the space, if they don't choose to commit themselves long-term like you have. Yeah, thank you. Well, Eric, it was a pleasure to have you on Decentralize This. I'm so thrilled that you got to walk us through everything that Ben is doing, what got you into the space and everything else. I'll be sure to add the links to the resources that you mentioned into the description of the podcast. But it was a pleasure uh, and really best of luck. I look forward to seeing how you and Ben both evolve over the next years. Thank you, Tor. Thanks for having me. I look forward to listening to future episodes of Decentralize This. <laughs> Thank you.